You know, life has never looked so uncertain as it does right now. Across the U.S., people are being paralyzed into indecision, humming and hawing about everything. Feeling flustered and shutting down. Avoiding that issue. The money one. But bleak as it might look, there may be a silver or even a gold lining. If you were for years before COVID, you could have a 401k sitting around gathering dust or even an old IRA we could help with. Working for your old company when it could be working for you. We're not talking peanuts either. Some plans have thousands of dollars in them. To find out more about unlocking your hidden treasure, call the team at Noble Gold at 877-646-5347. And if that's not incentive enough, Noble Gold is giving away the U.S. Mint's own solid silver 5-ounce $1 Apollo 11 moon landing coin with each qualifying gold or silver IRA. So it's worth jumping on the phone and calling 877-646-5347. That's 877-646-5347. Wars and rumors of wars. You're going to see earthquakes in diverse places and you're going to see pestilence. Will Johnson, UnitedAmericaFirst.com. I have a very special guest with us today, Dave Robbins. Host a broadcast on End Time Ministry. End Time Ministry is committed to preaching the gospel of the kingdom to every person on earth. They believe the end time is now. They share the Bible prophecy through conference, radio, television, and internet around the world. Dave, thank you for joining me. And would you like to elaborate a little bit more about who you are and what you do at End Time Ministry? Sure. Well, first of all, Will, thank you so much for having us on. I uh, went to your website. I've seen a lot of what you do, and man, it's exciting. I mean, you're out there going after it, and uh, we are living in the end time. What you're doing is very, very important because there is a left out there that is ruled by an enemy that we have, uh, that Christians are fighting, and you can see that on many fronts. But as far as myself, I am a co-host of the End of the Age television program and the radio program. We have a daily radio program that goes across the nation and live-streamed around the world. And then uh, with our End of the Age television program, we're on all of the major Christian networks, TBN, Daystar, and many others. So we're all around the world in that as well. And so um, I do that, and then I am the editor of End Time magazine, Urban Baxter would be the editor-in-chief, and it's, to our knowledge, it's the most widely read prophecy magazine in the world. We've, we've published it since 91, and thank God we've never had to offer one retraction ever, because we document, document, document everything we do, and so uh, God has really helped us in that aspect, and many aspects, but in a nutshell, other than sweeping the floors, that's what I do here at End Time. <laughs> You're extremely busy, I can tell. And, you know, I've been keeping up with End Time Ministries for years, uh, um, a long time. And it's really an honor and pleasure, a privilege to have you here talking with me today about the things that's going on. So one of the questions that I have for you, some people believe that the, this coronavirus that that is affecting everyone right now is one of the seven plagues that will be upon the earth during the end times. What is your opinion on that? Okay, so when you talk about seven plagues, are you talking about like the seven vials of the wrath of God? or Because there are three sets of seven in the book of Revelation. Three, uh, seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven vials. So the question would be, which seven plagues are you talking about? 
Well, I just see I've seen a lot of people online saying this is one of the seven seven plagues. They said, you know, so you can just yeah. just clarify for all of us that don't yeah. know. So um, the just to start off, there's three sets of seven in the book of Revelation. Then we'll get to that. But the, the three sets of seven are the seven seals, seven trumpets and seven vials. Um, and they they uh, kind of create a structural element for the book of Revelation. Probably what you're talking about is the seven vials of the wrath of God um, that will be poured out at the end of the Great Tribulation period. The current pestilence or pandemic of the coronavirus is not part of those seven vials of the wrath of God. They are part of Bible prophecy, though. In Matthew chapter 24, in the Olivet Discourse, they asked, the disciples took Jesus out on the Mount of Olives, set him down, and said, hey, Tell us, what's going to be the sign of your coming and of the end of this age? And he goes down through there and he tells them, hey, you're going to see uh, wars and rumors of wars. You're going to see earthquakes in diverse places, and you're going to see pestilence. Well, a synonymous word for pestilence is pandemic. Well, we've seen over the last several years many pandemics, or um, like you had the, 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 the swine flu and the Zika virus and all these different things. And so it is part of Jesus prophesied. These would be things that we would see. Is it the end of the world? No, it's not. Jesus said these would be the beginning of sorrows. And so there are just some things that we would see in the end time. They are prophesied in the Bible. You say, well, why, why did he prophesy that? Why did he say there would be pestilence? Because the closer we get to the end time, God is going to want to get people's attention. He's not just going to let us amble on. You know as well as I do, Will, that as we go throughout um, life, when things are going good, it's a tendency for not everybody, but for some people to kind of say, hey, things are going good, and they kind of look away from God because, hey, my bank account's full, got food in the cupboard, and, you know, hey, God, I'm, I'm doing all right, God. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Don't really need to attend church. But God, in the Bible, many times when people would do that, or they would turn away from God, maybe to a backslidden state, God would send pestilence to get their attention. And so in the end time, as we get closer to the end time, it appears that God is going to send pestilence like this to make sure people in the end time say, oh my goodness, uh, it's an awakening. And so it appears that's what God's going to do in the end time. There are many other signs, but pestilence or a pandemic is one of the signs that he uses. So it appears that that's what this coronavirus is doing. I mean, a lot of people would say, well, the world's not evil. Why does God have to send a pandemic? Well, the fact of the matter is, is that the world is very evil. And even the United States, even though we had a Judeo-Christian foundation, we've moved off of that in a lot of ways. I mean, since 1973, the, the Roe v. Wade. We've, there's been, uh, what, just over 60 million abortions? Well, how do you think God views that? And yeah. there have been, I mean, you've got the LGBT community that's really got a loud voice. And, you know, think about it like this, Will. Up until 1960, all 50 states, it was against the law to commit the act of sodomy. Mm. And now here in 2015, under the Obama administration, it was legalized in all 50 states. So you see how far we've come in just a very short period of time. And so diametrically opposed to the word of God, and yet 
a lot of people think, well, hey, they just got a loud voice. It's an agenda that's being pushed. I look at it as, God, how are you looking at our nation? How do you view what's going on here? And so those are the things we look at. We, we big picture everything. I don't focus right in on the problem. We step back and say, okay, God, what are you trying to do here? I know what you did in the Bible with these pandemics or these pestilence. And now here we are in 2020. What are you trying to do? And so that's how we, that's how we view it here is that these pestilence, we'd be part of the prophecies that God uh, gave us in Matthew chapter 24 in the Olivet Discourse. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, you brought up, you brought up um, abortion and homosexuality. One thing I talk to people about the, uh, the, as far as abortion, it makes me think about when, when Moses was born, you know, they were trying to kill all the, the, with the firstborn, right? The firstborn son. And then uh, I believe it was uh, Nero at the same time when, or when Nero and then with Herod and mm-hmm. when Jesus was born and went to kill all the firstborn. Exactly. And the way yeah. I see it now is that Satan said, okay, I made a mistake two times trying to kill them after they were born. So now I'm going to try to kill all of them before they're born and convince right. so many people that abortion is good health care. And, and they, and they convince so many people that it's a good thing to abort children, the most innocent of us all. And, and that's, that's one way I kind of think about it. I mean, it's cause it's completely, completely insane that this happening. So. Well, it was, it was satanically inspired throughout the Bible that ba- children and babies would be killed. Mm-hmm. But yet, get to 2020 and try to rationalize it and say, well, they're not really babies. They're still inside the mother's womb. They've never taken a breath. Right. But in, in God's eyes, it, um, a life starts at conception. Uh-huh. I mean, and, he even says that I knew you before you were in your mother's it, womb, right? That's exactly right. And so God, how does God, people, that's what I'm saying. People have forgotten God in many regards, and God's got a way of getting our attention. He's got the whole world's attention right now. There yes. are people having prayer meetings that haven't prayed in 20 years. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and so that's what God did that all throughout the Bible, and um, it appears that he will do that until the end, trying to get as many people's attention turned on him, uh, because a lot of people are simply not living for God right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're yep. absolutely right. So let me ask you this. So there's the peace agreement between Israel and the Palestinians right now. And it has been identified as a prophecy, uh, prophesied as a peace agreement that would kick off the seven years to Armageddon. What is the status of that peace agreement and how close do you think we are of getting that sign as of today? You know, if you work for a company for years before COVID came along and they let you go, you might have left some treasure behind. Your old 401 or IRA could be worth thousands and it's still working for the firm, not you. So if you're a bit uncertain about what the future holds right now, you should call the team at Noble Gold, 877-646-5347. And if that's not incentive enough, with each qualified IRA, you'll get a solid silver five ounce Apollo coin free. So it's worth jumping on the phone right now and calling 877-646-5347. That is 877-646-5347. Sure. So um, just so your viewers know, let me give you a little prophecy here real quick. Yes. Um, In Daniel 9.27, the Bible prophesies about a peace agreement that would be signed between the Israelis and the Palestinians. Now, that's a whole Bible study. You just got to trust me. But it's going to be signed between the Palestinians and the Israelis. And once that peace agreement is signed, that it would start the final seven years to the Battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ. 
there are, you say, well, how are we going to know which peace agreement it is? Because there's been the Y River Accords, there's been the Oswald Peace Accords. How will we know which one starts the final seven years? There are five characteristics to the prophesied peace agreement that starts the final seven years. Number one, it would create a two-state solution. And um, the settlers, which they're called today out in the West Bank, they would be able to live out there under Palestinian jurisdiction uh, in the end time. The, there would also be the Temple Mount would be placed under an internationally supervised sharing arrangement. Israel will be allowed to build her third temple, hmm. and Israel will retain control of her um, of the city of Jerusalem all throughout the end time. So when the when Trump, um, you know, Trump start, stated before he was even elected, "Hey, I want to, I want to try to get a peace deal done." All the other presidents have tried it. I want to try to get a peace deal done in, between the Israelis and the Palestinians. He called it the deal of the century. So immediately after he was elected, he started off. He set Jared Kushner, Jason Greenblatt, and all of them in motion, trying to get a peace deal done between the Israelis and the Palestinians. But he tried a different approach. Rather than him going over there and trying to drag the Palestinians and the Israelis by a nose ring to a negotiating table, he went over there and he started getting all of the Arab neighbors on board with it. Trump's first trip overseas was to... Uh, Saudi Arabia. It wasn't Israel. I remember that. Exactly. So what he's trying to do is he thought, hey, I've got to, we've got to look at this thing outside the box. I've got the, you know, the Palestinians, they, they always had kind of like a, a veto power. If they didn't like what was going on, they'd simply get up and walk away from the table and say, hey, the Arab initiative won't allow us to do this. Well, Donald Trump said, okay, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Rather than go straight to the Palestinians, I'm going to go to all their Arab neighbors and I'm going to get them on board with this and then they'll bring the Palestinians to the table. That's what he's been trying to do. If you if you watch what's been going on, even um, King Salman over Saudi Arabia, I think it was a year, year and a half ago, he told the Palestinians, he said, "Look, Abbas, you were elected to a four-year term, what, twelve years ago? I mean, you're kind of an illegitimate <laughs> president as it is now. So what we, you know, you either get on board with Trump's peace plan, or we're going to sweep you out of power. So that that's the kind of mentality they have. And I'll tell you why here in a minute." So, when Donald Trump uh, revealed his peace plan on January 28th, immediately, we, we read the whole thing several times. It's like 181 pages, even the prosperity part. But it allows for four of those five characteristics that I gave you. The five one is even, uh, there's a potential for that, because Donald Trump said in the peace agreement that all nations need to be able to pray on the Temple Mount, even according to their... Um, to their rituals and all their different uh, traditions and all these things. Well, if they do that, Israel's going to have to build her temple. And so that's kind of what we're looking at right now. There's four, possibly five, in this peace, in Donald Trump's peace agreement. So where are they at right now? That happened January 28th. Well, we're moving along, and they said um, what, it, what the Trump peace plan allows for is to Israel to go in and map out these certain area in the West Bank that they would they would annex for themselves. It's like about 30% of the West Bank, and about 70% is going to go to the Palestinians. But they need to map that out, even to the point where every fence line, every field has to be mapped and say, okay, this field here is the Palestinians, this field here and this fence row, that's the, the settlers. 
it's got to be that detailed. So that's what they're in the process of doing when the when this coronavirus hit. Hmm. So, um, and that's kind of postponing things a little bit. But um, uh, Netanyahu was saying, hey, Prime Minister Netanyahu of Israel, he said, if once we get this mapping thing done, I'm going to go ahead and annex. Me and Donald Trump are working together. I'm going to annex this. But Gantz, the guy who he's forming a government with, he was the leader of the Blue and White Party. He is throwing, kind of throwing the brakes on that. There's articles in the news right now about it that he's throwing the brakes on that. And he's saying, hey, I'm willing to do it, but I want to make sure Jordan and Egypt and all these other nations are involved, plus the international community. So there's a big difference there than Netanyahu and Trump doing it and Gantz with all the international community and everybody else. So that's kind of where we're at right now, Will, is that uh, they're in the mapping process. Israel and the United States both have a team over there mapping out what they're going to divide. And they're and this conundrum of the Israeli elections, they've had three elections over the, just over the last year, has mm-hmm. went, it's just been nuts. So now it looks like they're forming a government, and one of the main things they want to push forward is the peace agreement, but Netanyahu and Gantz are at odds at the annexation process. Hmm. One of the things that they're at odds at right now, so we'll have to see how all that plays out. If Donald Trump or if uh, Netanyahu and Gantz can form a government, which it looks like they're going to, um, but I say that today, tomorrow that could change, believe me. Right. Uh, it looks like they're going to push the peace agreement forward, and you know who knows what they, maybe they would wait until um, the Security Council meeting in September at the United Nations to finally get the deal signed. At this point, we don't. I, I can't answer that. I just know we're in the mapping process, and they're wanting to move forward as soon as they um, get a government agreed to. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where we're at. So let me, uh, so let me ask yeah. this then. So once the peace agreement is signed, what will the next seven years look like? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. So if, I'm not saying Donald Trump's deal is it. So you can't, you know, I want everybody right. out to know. But it does have definitely has the potential to be. Let's say they get the peace deal signed, and from Daniel 9.27, we know that the Antichrist, a future world leader over a world government, will have to be involved in that. The Bible doesn't say we will know who it is at that point. He's not revealed until three and a half years later. But at the signing of the peace agreement, there's going to be hundreds of politicians involved. When you get the international community on board, there's going to be politicians from everywhere that want to be a part of it. The Antichrist, the scriptural Antichrist, will be involved in this somehow. The Bible says he, the Antichrist, will confirm a covenant with many. So I just wanted to clarify that before we dive off into the final seven years. So let's say, let's just, you know, hypothetically, let's say Trump's deal is it and it gets signed. That starts us into all kinds of prophetic fulfillment, a final seven-year period. So on this huge timeline that God's given us for um, since way back in the Old Testament, Zechariah, Daniel, I mean uh, Ezekiel, all the way to Revelation chapter 22, there's a humongous timeline that God's put us on. The next two events to occur on that timeline are this peace agreement that we just talked about Mm -hmm. and a sixth trumpet war. It's found in Revelation 9, verse 13 through 21. 
And as a result of that war, it starts in the Middle East region. As a result of the, when the smoke clears, the Bible says one-third of the world's population is going to be destroyed. Is that the now, one I, that's going to start in the Euphrates River? That's absolutely correct. I, I don't even like to talk about it, but it's prophecy, so we have to. Right. And we, we tried all the translations to say, hey, maybe it's talking about just the people involved in the war, this, that, and the other. But some of the translations say uh, one-third of mankind, one-third of the Earth's population. So, I mean, it's very specific. One-third of the world is going to be destroyed. Um, so those are the next two events to occur on God's prophetic timeline that we've been walking on for thousands of years now. The peace agreement starts the final seven years. Once the final seven years starts, immediately Israel, as a result of the peace agreement, is going to be able to build her third temple on the Temple Mount. And a lot of people know that for years. I've had people that have been away from God say, well, I'm going to wait till they start building that third temple, and then I'm going to get move, make a move towards God. And I'm like... Look, you could be killed by a bus tonight. Don't do that. Yes. But <laughs> exactly. at any rate, um, they're going to start building the temple. They'll build the temple in the first three and a half years, and they're going to resume sacrifices. Uh, in the Old Testament, you probably know this, that they Israel had sacrifices to atone for the sin of Israel in the temple and the tabernacle plans. Well, that's what they want to do again. They want to rebuild the temple on the Temple Mount, resume sacrifices. The Bible says that'll happen during the first three and a half years. At the midway point, the three-and-a-half-year point, that's when a plethora of prophecy takes place. Hmm. The Bible says halfway through, there is a war in heaven, a spiritual war between Satan and Michael, the archangel. Michael overcomes Satan and binds him to the earth. At this point, Satan still has access to heaven. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. And so he still has access to heaven, but at that point, he's bound to the earth. We believe that he will come down and inhabit the Antichrist. And at the, so that happens at the midway point. Bible calls it, it says that there's an event called the abomination of desolation that will occur. That's when the Antichrist will stand in that rebuilt Jewish temple and proclaim to be God himself. He will claim to be the, the Messiah, the Mahdi, uh, the fifth Buddha to all the religions of the world. And the Bible says he will cause the sacrifices that have been instituted to stop and when Satan comes down and he's bound to the earth, the Bible says he persecutes Israel and he persecutes the, those that have the testimony of Jesus Christ, which is the church. Hmm. And that's the great tribulation. For the, the Bible says that he does it for time, times, and half a times. So for the next three and a half years, the final three and a half years, that's the great tribulation. There's no, such, there's no scriptures in the Bible for a seven-year tribulation. The tribulation only lasts three and a half years. And... So Satan, it, it, through the Antichrist, starts to persecute Israel and the true church of Jesus Christ. And that's also, you're familiar in Revelation 11 when the two witnesses come on the scene. Hmm. Okay, so that's what happens there. At the final three and a half years, that's when they come on the scene. The Bible says their ministry lasts 1,260 days. So all of that's three and a half years right there. And that's also when the mark of the beast is implemented. Uh, this world global numbering system that the Antichrist will usurp authority over, it's being established now. And he's going to usurp authority over that, and he's going to use that to economically sanction humans on the earth to bow down to his edicts and to eventually pledge allegiance, thereby worshiping him. And obviously, you can't do that. I mean, right. that's the mark of the beast. You know, that's, that's something you... That's of eternal consequence. Right. Uh, right. We're talking about hell and heaven here. And so... 
Those things are implemented during the final three and a half years. And then at the end of the final three and a half years, at the end of the seven-year period, you have um, the second coming of Jesus Christ, and you have the Battle of Armageddon. And right there at the very end of the Great Tribulation, that's when the we talked about the seven vials of the wrath of God. That's mm. when they're poured out. Mm. And so um, the very first one is poured out upon those that receive the mark of the beast during the Great Tribulation. And then the rest of them are localized right there on the armies that are fighting against Israel at the Battle of Armageddon. And so you can, you can, I've just wrote a huge article on that in End Time Magazine. A lot of people get that confused. It's going to be global and there's going to be all this, you know, darkness and sores, all this stuff. Know that the, um, the vials of the wrath of God are going to be poured out against those that come down against Israel at the Battle of Armageddon. So at, at the halfway point, a lot of things happen. And at the very end, a lot of things happen. I don't know if you know this or not, Will, but the, the rapture, and the second coming of Jesus Christ, those are, those are one and the same event. Now, I know that there are teachers that teach that it's uh, the U-turn theory and all this other stuff, but simply what happens, and Revelation 19 explains this perfectly, that the rapture occurs, the marriage supper of the Lamb in the sky takes place, and we go straight with the Lord to fight on behalf of Israel at the Battle of Armageddon. So it's basically like you, and, and I mean, this is a, you know, a finite term, but we're, we're, you're on a bus. You show up and you're gathering people on that bus going to a certain destination. That's what happens at the rapture. The Lord comes back at the sound of a trumpet. He sends his angels to gather the elect, and we go straight with him to fight on behalf of Israel at the Battle of Armageddon. Hmm. We are the armies of heaven. The saints are the armies of heaven that come with the Lord at the Battle of Armageddon. Yeah, I know. I've, yeah. I've had conversations. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've had conversations with people, you know, with the post-trib and the pre-trib, and, yeah, yeah. and, and I've actually lost friends because I don't believe in the, the pre-trib. And, sure. I've, and when I've stumbled onto Irving Baxter, I say, you know, he was saying everything the way I was reading it and yeah. the way I, I understood it. And I never had a conversation with him before, so that just kind of drew me in right there because it was, it was going against the grain to think otherwise. And and Irvin Baxter even said that you know he grew up thinking it was pre-trib and you know and 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 it's and you're right it doesn't matter we need to be right because we're not promised tomorrow we need to get right regardless so that's that's the most important thing we need to get right now because we're not promised tomorrow and I know a lot of people a lot of people would love to to believe that we're going to go on pre-rapture I'm I'm fine with that too I mean if you know if you just want to take it. <laughs> yeah, if you were supposed to take us out and say, "Don't worry about it, I got you. You don't have to worry about any other other stuff." So that would be great, but I don't want to. I don't. I don't. You know, based on what I how I've read the Bible and listened to Irvin Baxter for years, it doesn't it doesn't play out that way. So I mean, very good. Thank you for uh, bringing that up. Did you want to make one more statement on it? Yeah. The, the the one of the, the the most important thing that I left out. The reason will, n- number one, it's not a salvation issue, whether, we, whether you believe in a pre- or post-trib. Irvin's mother and, father-in-law, mother and father were evangelists and pastors for over 60 years. Mm. They believed in a pre-trib till they died. And so, but Irvin saw it early on. He started believing in a post-trib. But the fact of the matter is, is one of the things I left out in the final seven years, the most important thing, is that Revelation chapter 7 prophesies of the greatest revival the world has ever known, way past that book of Acts revivals. 
And it's going to happen right there during that final seven-year period, or the final three-and-a-half-year during the Great Tribulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel, uh, Revelation 7 talks about the 144,000, a remnant of Jews that would be saved. And then John said, I turned and looked, and I behold a multitude. No man could number. Yes. And the elder looked at John, and John said, uh, the elder said, John, who are these? And John says, uh, I don't know. Thou knowest. And the elder says, these are they that came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes, made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Yes. So John sees, and they're out of every kindred, every tongue, every nation. It's not just Jews. Mm-hmm. So the greatest revival the world has ever seen is prophesied for the times ahead of us during the final three and a half years. So um, that's all that happens during that final seven-year period. So we're waiting with bated breath. Let's get this thing going because we're, <laughs> I'm not scared of this. I'm excited because yeah. we're going to be we're going to be a huge part of it. What an amazing time to be alive to see all this. So let me ask you this, because you brought it up a little bit earlier. Yeah. Uh, the Bible prophesies a one world currency. And yeah. how close are we to that? And will America adopt the mark of the beast? Okay. So uh, how close are we are to we are to a one world currency? I don't know um, if we will ever have a one world currency. I think that we will have a global numbering system, and that's being set up. Most nations right now will have a, a national ID system. The biggest majority of those nations, it's compulsory. In other words, it's not voluntary. You have to do this to function in society. In, I know in places like Uganda and places like that, you can't have a job, no access to health care. If you show up sick at a hospital, if you don't have your national ID card, sorry. Hmm. No, edu- no education for your children, no travel. I mean, you cannot function in society without that national ID. That's where we're headed in most nations on the planet right now. In uh, North Korea, if you're caught without a national ID card, you, go, you get sent to a labor camp for not having that national ID card. Now, that's how much they want to control you. The only reason you would number people is to control them. Hmm. I mean, just ask, ask Hitler and the tattooing of the numbers on the Jews when they showed up to a concentration camp. He did that to control them. Right. You know, and I'm sorry, you know, in uh, China right now, they're forcing everyone to have a cell phone. And during this coronavirus, they're forcing people to install a particular app on their phone so they can track them to see who has the coronavirus. But not only that, uh, they're tracking them for their social score and they're tracking them. they're, They're forcing them right now to use it to buy any, to buy or purchase any kind of goods. And they've been burning a lot of money and printing new money to replace the old money because they feel that the coronavirus has been transferred through the money. So, uh, and I've said this on on multiple uh, broadcasts that I've done, that if the globalists, the one word order, if they wanted to implement anything as a global community, this would be the time to do it right now while they have everyone's attention and we all have a common enemy you know, to fight against. And if they don't do it, it's going to be a, uh, how, how do you say it? This is going to be a, this would be an opportunity missed by yeah. the globalists. Right. So I can tell you, um, scripturally, the mark of the beast will not be imp- fully implemented until the Antichrist comes on the scene, which is halfway through that final seven-year period. Mm-hmm. But the system that's going to be used will be already in place and functioning Prior to that, we're watching that happening right now. The World Bank and uh, it has a an effort called WD40, and the United Nations has an effort 
with, I mean, Microsoft, Bloomberg, all these, Accenture, it's called ID2020. Those are two efforts to number every human being on the planet that does not have legal identification. It's part of the sustainable development goals that were entered into in uh, 2015 by every nation on the planet. It's an effort by the United Nations. It's really a socialistic blueprint to govern the entire world. Mm -hmm. And part of that is numbering every human being, including every child that is given birth to, uh, they are... They want them all to have a number. Well, so the number is being set up right now, and I'll get to the United States here in a minute. The numbering system is being set up. It's been being set up for years. The, the World Bank already considers the United States peop, uh, citizens numbered. So think about that, whether it's our Social Security number or, or the real ID, whatever they're coming up with. Right. So that brings us to the question, what about the United States? So this is a, that's a great question because a lot of people want to know that right now. There is a world government that is prophesied in the end time uh, that the Antichrist will usurp authority over at some point. The United Nations is the seat of that world government as we speak. There are a lot of entities that are um, involved with that that are created to govern the world. World Health Organization, the World Bank, International Criminal Court. Those are all involved in a one-world governing system. Mm -hmm. They don't run... Uh, Africa. They don't run Russia. They're, they're, it's global. So the Antichrist will eventually usurp authority over that. What about the United States? So I'll give you a, a, a two-hour Bible study in about 30 seconds. Um, back in Daniel, the book of Daniel, he prophesied about modern nations that will be on the earth at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. He prophesied um, a lion, and I could document and prove all these things. I'm just going to tell you because for the sake of time. There was a lion um, which represents Great Britain. The lion had eagle's wings growing out of it. The eagle's wings are the United States. Um, J uh, Daniel saw the eagle's wings plucked out of the lion and made to stand upon the feet of the man. A man's heart was given to it. Well, of course, where did the eagle come from? Great Britain. So there's a lion with eagle's wings. The bear, Russia. You've heard of the Russian bear. There's mm -hmm. millions. You've heard Germany is the leopard. The four-headed leopard's Germany. I can prove that. And then... Um, the Ten Horn Beast is the revived Holy Roman Empire or the current European Union. So there, those are nations or entities that would be on the earth at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Jump forward 650 years. D John sees a vision, Revelation 13, 1 and 2, of a beast coming up out of the sea. It had the body of the leopard, the feet of the bear, the mouth of the lion, the ten horns of the ten horn kingdom. So all those entities are involved there again. It's a it's the prophecy of an end time world government. The Bible says that that and the Antichrist would be given power over every kindred, tongue, and nation. So it's a world governing entity. They're federalized. All these nations have federalized together. But guess what? There's one nation missing. The eagle's wings are not mentioned in that. Yeah, they've been plucked. So they've been they were plucked originally. So. You say, well, where, what happened to them? Well, we pondered for years. What happens to the United States? Well, if you jump back one chapter to Revelation 12, when the Bible says that Satan comes down and he's, he's defeated by Michael and his archangel in the, in the war that we talked about, the heavenly war, the Bible says Satan's bound to the earth, and the Bible says, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, because Satan comes down unto you having great wrath. This is the great tribulation. The tribulation is Satan's wrath, not God's wrath. Mm. And so... 
the Bible says he comes down and he, to persecute the woman, which in that chapter is Israel, and those that have the testimony of Jesus Christ, which is the modern-day church. Well, the Bible says in Revelation 12, 14, that Israel is carried away on the wings of a great eagle, where she is nourished in her place for time, times, and half a time. So guess what's going to happen? The United States is going to stand with and protect Israel all throughout the end time, those final three and a half years. Well, who's our greatest uh, ally on the planet right now? It's Israel. Israel. Yeah. And so we, we, we are not going to be part of the world government. So we do not believe that it will become, even if, let's say, the real ID, national ID comes into play, our driver's license, the real ID, it will not become the law of the land that we have to pledge allegiance to, thereby worship the Antichrist, hmm. in order to function in society, uh, according to Scripture. I, I mean, I just proved that. So um, we don't have to worry about that so much. The world government, we will be against the world government all throughout the end time. The thing that everybody in the United States will have to be aware of is the world religious system. Uh, because, you know, yeah. I was going to say, that makes me think about the United Religion Initiative. Have you, you, you're familiar? That's Yes, very, very. <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very familiar with that. Um, any effort will towards a world religious system. The um, interfaithism. You see all these huge interfaith me meetings where mm -hmm. they don't care. the The world religious uh, parliament. They don't care if you worship Satan, the sun, the moon, the stars. Come one, come all. We're yep. just going to be part of this one world religion. And then ecumenism is. The Catholic Church, since 1962 to 65, the Vatican II, gathering all their daughters home, the, the, all the Protestant daughters, back under the umbrella of the, of the um, Catholic Church. You understand, prior to the Vatican Council, two, every, all these other Protestant daughters, they were considered hellbound because they weren't Catholic. But something happened at Vatican II. After Vatican II, the popes started advocating a world government. Mm. All the popes. Every pope has, including Francis. So they got on board with the world governing system, and they're advocating that. Well, the Bible says that there's going to be a, an antichrist and a world government. There's also going to be a false prophet over the head of the world religious system, and they're going to unite in an effort and the in an effort to run the world. And the uh, world religious system is going to the the false prophet is going to use his influence to get all their followers to advocate for a world government. That's the goal. And so we, we're watching that happening as we speak. Yeah, yeah, so, I, I see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, go ahead. So um, I got one more question for you. Yeah. Do you believe that the Antichrist is alive today? Uh, no doubt. There's no doubt about it. We're, we're I agree, I agree. I just wanted to hear yeah. you say it. I, I mean, I've actually heard you say it multiple times watching your broadcast yeah. and even Irving Baxter. I believe we just don't know who he is, and we have the suspicion on who he might be or where, you know. But we do know that he's going to come from the city with seven hills, correct? Well, so we don't know that. So he will come, the Antichrist will come from the European Union, mm -hmm. one of those nations. The false prophet, we know what he's coming from the city on seven hills. He's going to be the leader of the Catholic right. Church. But whoever the Pope is at the time of the Antichrist, that's going to be the false prophet. But the Antichrist himself, you understand the original Holy Roman Empire was always ran by the most powerful political leader from Europe and the most powerful religious leader from Rome, which was always the Pope from the very beginning. Well, that's what they're, they've created again. 
the current European Union is the revived Holy Roman Empire. And so the end game here, this end time world government is going to be ran by the most powerful political leader from Europe, which obviously, like you said, we don't know who he is yet. And then the false prophet, which will be the pope at that time. Mm-hmm. And the, in, the, the pope's influence in the earth right now, beyond, I'm going to say, quote, unquote, Christianity, um, is, is vast. I mean, the, the Catholic Church is the third largest landowner in the world. They preach wealth redistribution, but they're not willing to redistribute any of their wealth, <laughs> even though they have, they have more money than they would ever know yeah. what to do. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah, so that's kind of where we're at. We're, we're living through all of this stuff, Will. We're right here in the end time. Mm-hmm. It's easy to proven. Yeah, absolutely. So End Time Ministries offers a course that teaches people about the end of the age called Jerusalem Prophecy College. Yes. Tell us about the course and how people can sign up now. Yeah. So um, End Time Ministries, we created a course called, like you said, the Jerusalem Prophecy College. And you can go. It's simple. It's three easy steps. Uh, go to www.jerusalemprophecycollege.com and you just create you an account, and you sign up for your first lesson. It's $59 per semester. And we start off with prophecy, which is about 30% of the entire Bible. A lot of people don't know that. And we go through all of the major prophecies of the Bible, and then we get into the other 70% uh, going through all of the major stories. Uh, the the uh, series would be um, Keys to Spiritual Growth, Understanding the Bible, Life and Teachings of Jesus Christ, we spend like almost 40 weeks on that. So you can go through this college, and I, we've got people all over the world doing it. And they are calling us saying, hey, I, I, you know, I need to be baptized. I, I, I need to, you know, what do I need to do to be born again? I mean, it's just, the, it's, it's an awakening. And so Urban Baxter's taught this over, wow, many, many, many years, uh, 10, 15 years. And so it's a tool that you can use because what we found, Will, is that, Spiritual, biblical illiteracy is, you cannot imagine. I've had pastors call me that have had a problem with something. Now, I don't give marital advice and all this other stuff, but I mean, as far as just like a church and uh, something they want to teach that Sunday. And I've talked to them, and they've been through seminaries, they've been through all this stuff, but when you try to get deep into biblical knowledge, biblical illiteracy, even among some of our pastors, is not good. I'll Mm. just put that. Yeah. So this college is designed to take you from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity in, over these courses of sessions. And man, we've, I've got people that come. We, I had some, it's like 183 hours. I had somebody do it in one month, and she was just poured through it. But most people will take a year or so, just at your own leisure, uh, well, go through it. And I, man, it is so I awesome. would think right now would be a great opportunity for people to do it because there's a lot of people confined to their homes. And yep. that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring it up because this is the perfect time for people to do a deep dive into, oh, yeah. into learning about what's happening to us right now and what is going to come. And I think, you know, end time ministry is a perfect solution to a lot of people's answers. And, yep. and, you know, I want to, I want to say thank you so much for coming on with me. It's been Absolutely. such a, a, such a honor. And, Please, I would love. To, I know your schedule is like crazy, crazy busy. So um, hopefully, uh, within I guess maybe a month or so, if 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 all possible, we can come on to talk about the current state where where we are and if there's any more updates on Jerusalem 
and of course this coronavirus. So End Time yep. Ministry, End Time Ministry uh, has a website, endtime.com, correct? Absolutely. And I, I do say, um, I do want to say thank you, Will. You have, uh, just watching your videos and everything you're doing, um, very inspired by that because honestly, a lot of people are not willing to stick their neck out, not willing to, to, to stand up for things and speak out. And obviously you're way past that. And so anybody that does that is to, to be commended. I mean, it's easy to go home and sit on your couch and say, you know what, just let somebody else do this. That's the easy part. That's it's, taking an easy way out. But for you, for me to watch your videos and see what you're doing, wow. I mean, come on. You're getting off the couch. You went after it. You're out there making a difference. And we need more people like that. I mean, that's what changes this stuff. People you know, sitting on the couch are not changing anything. You know, if you work for a company for years before COVID came along and they let you go, you might have left some treasure behind. Your old 401 or IRA could be worth thousands and it's still working for the firm, not you. So if you're a bit uncertain about what the future holds right now, you should call the team at Noble Gold, 877-646-5347. And if that's not incentive enough, with each qualified IRA, you'll get a solid silver five ounce Apollo coin free. So it's worth jumping on the phone right now and calling 877-646-5347. That is 877-646-5347.